Welcome to Spirit of the Hall, our Teddy Hall podcast series brought to you for Orlarians by Orlarians. My name is Ollie Belcher and I am the president of the St. Edmund Hall Alumni Association. I'm delighted to bring you conversations with some of Teddy Hall's most fascinating alumni, fellows, students and staff. This episode is with Fred Tyrrell, who came up to the hall in 2019 to read mathematics and is currently in his third year. After only two terms at Teddy Hall, the COVID pandemic struck, the country went into lockdown in March 2020, and Fred spent most of his second year studying from his bedroom at home. It felt quite peculiar. I think there was certainly a sense that we were losing out on some of the university experience. Also in Fred's second year, he was diagnosed with autism, a diagnosis which made a lot of sense to him, and since when he has received great support from family, friends, Teddy Hall and Oxford. Uh, and I'm now you know, in a really good place, so I guess you know, the, the support sort of has done its job and continues to do so. Fred is also a choral scholar at Teddy Hall, and he recalls that moment when the students were all back in college and could sing in person for the first time again. I spent, I think, the entire like two-hour rehearsal and hour service just smiling. Like my, my cheeks hurt at the end. It was just the best experience. Fred, thank you very much for giving us your time today. It is great to speak to a current student who can tell us all at first hand what the COVID pandemic has meant for you. So Fred, welcome to Spirit of the Hall. It's a real pleasure to have you here. So thank you for joining me. And you, you came up to Oxford in 2019 to read mathematics, which means you're currently in your third year out of four. Can you tell me about your journey to get to Teddy Hall in the first place? In school, uh, around year 10 or year 11, was where I really kind of discovered that I had this passion for maths because I qualified for kind of a few maths competitions run by the uh, United Kingdom Mathematics Trust, which is a charity that I now actually volunteer for. Um, but um, I immensely enjoyed those. And so when I got to sixth form, I kind of chose maths and further maths uh, and was just really enjoying my maths. And then it came around to kind of the application season and I was like, yeah, let's, let's give let's give Oxford a shot. I also uh, auditioned um, for a choral scholarship and I was awarded a choral scholarship at Teddy Hall, um, which is why I uh, applied to Teddy Hall. So the, um, the choral auditions took place in the September and then the sort of applications took place in October. So I had already been offered a choral scholarship at Teddy Hall. And then I just had the small job of actually getting in. So then I applied, obviously did the mass admissions test in my interviews, uh, got my offer, made my offer, and then, you know, arrived in, uh, was it October of 2019? Fantastic. I had no idea you were a choral scholar as well. That's amazing. So so when you um, actually got your place, what, what was your reaction? Well, when I got my offer, which I guess that, that was kind of the most exciting part, right? Um, and that was just, I mean, yeah, it was really, really exciting. I kind of couldn't believe it. I remember you know, I texted my parents, obviously, and my family, and I was like, guys, I, I, I've, I've got an Oxford offer. This is insane. And I actually printed out the um, the offer letter that came through the post, and I um, like I stuck it up right above my desk to motivate me to work during my A-levels. Because I was like, you've got this offer, you can't miss it. And I'm known to occasionally, um, should we say, not put in so much effort into my revision. So I thought I'll put up this letter just to remind myself, yeah, this is why you're working. And obviously getting, actually making the offer was more of a relief because at that, at that point it was just the, it was the kind of case of, oh yeah, I didn't mess it up. Thank goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, so when you actually got to Teddy Hall, 
How were those first few weeks as a fresher for you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, absolutely insane, right? Freshers week is crazy. And the first term as well is there's so much going on. It was, you know, one of the most intense experiences of my life, right? It, it was so many new things happening at once. So many really exciting things. I was meeting all these really interesting new people. I was trying to get involved with loads of other stuff within the college and within the university. And it was really, really full on. But I remember coming back at the end of my first term, my parents were like, you know, tell us about, you know, how was it? And I was like, I, I don't know what to say. There's so many things I can say, but right now I just need to sleep. I think I hibernated for about two weeks right up until Christmas, basically. And then kind of took stock of that first term and was like, actually, that was that was really quite good. Yeah, I do I do remember that feeling as well of just being utterly exhausted when I got home. My parents almost wondering whether something was wrong with me. <laughs> so Fred, you only had two terms uh, at Teddy Hall before the COVID pandemic struck. You know, so the country went into lockdown in March 2020, which, which was um, you know eighth week of Hillary term. How did this feel for you and your friends when the news broke out? At the time, it was right at the end of term anyway, and we were all pretty tired. So it was just like a slightly rushed kind of goodbye. But then as it became clearer and clearer over the kind of Easter vacation, that actually it might be a while till we're back in Oxford and seeing each other again, it, it felt quite peculiar. I think there was certainly a sense that we were losing out on some of the university experience, which is obviously a shame. But I think in general, we've just tried to kind of adapt and, and 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 keep going i think it's very easy to get quite worked up and upset about you know losing out on things and oh this isn't the experience i wanted or whatever but i think all you can do is try and make the best of the situation you're given studying from home was kind of okay missing my friends was obviously the tough part absolutely and so how, how was your experience of being a student at home well i think i'm quite lucky in that obviously maths doesn't have really a practical element which is in many ways why i fix it Obviously, you know, science students uh, were missing out on labs and lots of humanities students were, you know, really struggling with their access to the libraries. But I found studying from home actually quite pleasant. Uh, and in many ways, it was very productive. The academic side was fine. But it was, you know, missing my friends, missing the music, missing, you know, the hall, missing you know, all the kind of things that all the other things that make Oxford kind of great. But, but Fred, you know, some students did return to college in, in, in the, the Michaelmas of your second year, but you chose to stay at home. Yeah. Why, why was this? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky in that I get on well with my family uh, and they're very nice, um, which is, you know, a luxury that not everyone has. And I kind of thought, you know, well, you know, at the time, the, the restrictions at that point were quite severe. And you know, the, the things you could actually do in Oxford were very limited, you know, um, you were basically only allowed to mingle with your household. There wasn't really any way you could go out and do things. And I thought, you know, this really just doesn't sound great at all. And it seemed to me that I'd have, you know, more freedom and enjoy myself more um, just if I, if I was at home. You know, it was nice to spend time with my family that I wasn't expecting to spend time with, you know. Yes. You know, they were waving me goodbye in, you know, the, near the end of 2019. And they did not expect me to be back for another year. But, you know... They, they didn't res respond too badly to that, which was good. <laughs> good. And so, but, but, so Fred, at the beginning of your second year, as well as all those COVID, you know, lockdowns happening, you were also diagnosed with autism. What made you go for the diagnosis in the first place? Yeah. So as I sort of touched on, so I found the first year, I mean, enjoyable, but quite challenging in, in many ways. 
and in particular moving away from home and having that level of independence and this really kind of increased level of social interaction I found quite challenging. And I was, you know, speaking to the college nurse about this. And I was saying, you know, I think I'm struggling quite a bit. Um, I'm not really sure what's up, but, you know, I know something's up. Uh, and she kind of was like, um, well, you know, the things you're describing to me, um, you know, this could be something like autism. Have you have you ever thought about pursuing that diagnosis? And as, as soon as she said that and kind of I went to research it, it kind of, I was like, oh, this this could make a lot of sense. This was literally right after I came home. So this was in March of uh, 2020, which is when I kicked off the kind of process. Once it had been sort of suggested and I'd got the idea into my head, it then became clear like, oh, this is probably making a lot of sense actually. The sort of the whole process took about six months from kind of the initial contact with my GP to finally getting the kind of very long-winded diagnosis letter, um, which came through finally in September just before I started my second year, which was quite convenient timing. And, and how did you react when you when you got that long-winded letter? You said it had already begun to make sense to you, but were you were you relieved or were you pleased in a way that everything that hadn't made sense was beginning to, you know, now did? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one because obviously a lot of the diagnosis process is about um, talking about early childhood. Straight away, I was sort of, I guess, recontextualizing loads of experiences from my kind of, you know, childhood. Things were starting to make a lot of sense. And I was thinking about times when I was confused or struggling at school and that sort of thing, like socially and whatever. And then kind of being able to put that in context and understand why that was going on. And it made so much more sense. As you say, it was also, uh, I guess, a, a relief. It did and has made it a lot easier for me to be kind to myself in certain situations where before I just thought I was, you know, doing things wrong or whatever, which is obviously nice. And that's kind of the point. And it also, I guess, has allowed me to understand myself better. Things that I thought were kind of a quirk of my personality or things that I thought were strange about myself, I'm actually able to, you know, now understand better, which has been very good. Yeah, and how did your family, friends and your tutors react to, to your diagnosis? Yeah, I mean, so everyone was, you know, very, very supportive. I think my family initially, particularly my parents, I think they were, I think they maybe felt like slightly guilty that they hadn't noticed it or thought about it. And yeah, I remember them saying like, you know, oh, if, if we ever suspected this, you know, we wouldn't have hesitated to have you know, done something. They, they wanted me to know that they weren't just like ignoring it and neglecting it. They just didn't realize or think about it, which was, you know, fair enough. They're very accepting and they were really, you know, keen to learn about it and to um, support me. My friends were just lovely. You know, they were they were just like, um, you know, oh, yeah, let us know if there's anything we can do. Um, and you know, they were the people that I was talking to a lot of the time during the process of actually me getting diagnosed. My tutors, from a kind of academic point of view, they were also really understanding. Again, they were really keen to let me know that they were wanting to support me and that I could let them know uh, things they can do to help me and that sort of thing. And yeah, I don't think it came as much of a surprise to anyone, which was kind of the reaction that I had to it as well. And, and what, what support have you received you know, since the diagnosis from both the university and from Teddy Hall. And, and and also, has this support changed your Oxford experience? Once I got the kind of official NHS diagnosis, um, I was able to apply for um, a disabled student's allowance and through that get funding for various things through student finance. So, for example, uh, I, I have a, a very nice mentor that I can work with. Um, I have various pieces of software that can help me with things, uh, you know, track things like my mood, my daily challenges and that sort of thing. Um, I also, you know, Various technologies were kind of purchased on my behalf, funded um, via that disabled students allowance. Uh, within the university, I was given a, a disability advisor, 
a very nice lady called Julie, uh, and she helps me with um, things that might be challenging and also things like, for example, um, exam accommodations. Um, so I have slightly different exam arrangements and things like any other kind of flexibility with my work or with deadlines and that sort of thing. My tutors, again, you know, they were made aware of it and they were kind of given a, a sort of a support plan for me that was created by myself and my, and my disability advisor, which basically lists kind of things that I might struggle with, things that people can do to help me, things to be aware of, and that sort of thing. It's definitely made a really positive impact to my university experience. My first year was really quite tough. Uh, you know, and at the end of it, I was not sure whether I wanted to continue or not, um, but I, I did. And then my second year was just fantastic. Um, I was really happy. Uh, academically, it went much better, socially much better. And again, in the third year, that's continued to to be the trend. Uh, and I'm now, you know, in a really good place. So I guess, you know, the, the support sort of has done its job and continues to do so. Absolutely. Well, that, that's really fantastic to hear. And, you know, you returned to Teddy Hall for your third year. You know, and I suppose, as you were saying, it's better than your first and second for that reason, because of the support. But also, how how is it coming back with, you know, after the COVID pandemic and almost um, with college back to normal again? Yeah, it's really, really nice. The saying is absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? And it's it's very much that um, after, you know, four terms away from Oxford, just being back in Teddy Hall, back with my friends, back doing all these things I've really missed has just been has just been lovely. Small things like being able to go to college breakfast, we're walking through the front quad, walking around Oxford, going to Tesco. It sounds it sounds silly, but these are all things I sort of started to miss. Um, and having that, in, as much as I enjoyed being at home, kind of having that independence again, and actually feeling like a young adult rather than just like an overgrown child, um, yes. has been really quite, really quite nice. And, and now you're back, you know, you said earlier that you were um, one of the Teddy Hall um, choral scholars. Have you been able to sing again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which has been absolutely just amazing. We had a we had a service in Northwick, and it was. I spent I think the entire like two hour rehearsal and hour service just smiling. Like my my, my cheeks hurt at the end. It was just the best experience. It was just so nice to be singing live with other people. Because obviously there have been lots of various virtual sort of things going on, which I was very involved in. But just the live singing is something that you just cannot replace. And it was just so, 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 so nice to be back mm. you know, singing with other people. There's something special about, about making music with other people. I think it's just such a nice and, and And in that beautiful chapel. It's a lovely place. Um, I spent a lot of time there. And it's somewhere I really look forward to going every weekend. Fred, as well as your singing, you're also a... Um, talented composer and director right here and you direct the Rough Edge Brass Band. Are you able to perform and direct music again as well? Yes, yeah, yeah. So th this term we've we've returned to gigging with 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 the band, which has been great. This is a, an Oxford student band that I joined in my first year. Um, it's like a sort of a funk jazz band in which I play an instrument called the sousaphone. And then kind of I've now taken over the mantle of being the musical director, which has been uh, a wonderful experience. Uh, obviously there's been a lot to do because there's been a fairly large hiatus and getting us back to gigging means that my job I've really had my work cut out um, but it's been a really really good experience as well um, we had our first gig in I think it was seventh week of this term so just just a couple of weeks ago and it was just such a joy um, you know loads of my friends came which is really lovely the crowd were so like just supportive and just happy to be hearing music we had such a great time and we're starting to get booked for you know balls next term and the term after and that sort of thing, which is really exciting. And we're just so, so happy to be back. 
you know, very much amazing. You know, obviously Oxford is is a tough place to be studying, but you know, the band and the choir between them, that's really what keeps me going. Um, so Fred, we're, we're recording this in, in December. And I understand that in the last couple of weeks, you've been helping with the interview process, both for students coming to Teddy Hall and also for those wanting to read maths. How did you get involved in the admissions process for, for both the college and, and, and faculty and department? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I've always really cared about you know, communication and access and outreach coming from a state school myself. Uh, and coming from a place where I had to do loads and loads of research myself and had to kind of convince myself that Oxford was right for me. Um, I'm really passionate about sort of, you know, trying to help other people um, and convince them that Oxford is a place that they can also flourish. So when the kind of opportunities arose to train as a as a maths ambassador, to train as a Teddy Hall ambassador, it was kind of a no-brainer for me to go, you know, to go and become one of those. Um, I then applied to, after sort of training to be a Teddy Hall ambassador, I applied to work as, a, as an interview helper and, you know, sort of was, was successful in that. And so, as you say, this week and next week, I'm um, answering questions from applicants and candidates on, on Microsoft Teams. And I'm talking to them, you know, talking about the admissions process, talking about Teddy Hall, talking about Oxford, talking about interviews and, and reassuring them and giving them information. And in a similar capacity, I do this with the uh, the math department as well. I've also done quite a lot of work with my um, tutor, Tom, who was on the podcast a couple of episodes ago. He's obviously uh, Teddy Hall's uh, access and outreach fellow. Um, so he does a lot of work to do with mass communication uh, and outreach. And I've had quite a few opportunities to work with him um, in that capacity uh, and kind of assist him in that, that part of his job, um, which has also been kind of really enjoyable. Amazing. It's a fantastic experience for you. So the actual interviews, I understand that they're still online. How has this worked in practice for the interviewers and for the candidates? Yeah, so last year was the first year they were online and this year they're they're still online. And I think um, in practice, I think it's actually gone fairly well. They've obviously had to adapt slightly. The main difficulty being that for some subjects where it's really useful to have things kind of written down, um, that's obviously been a challenge that they've had to overcome. So obviously maths is one of those where in a sort of, in my interview, for example, in the before times, it was a case of you know, writing on writing on paper and the tutors could, could see that. But different sort of subjects and tutors have dealt with this in different ways. So some subjects have asked students to bring, um, the candidates that is, to bring kind of uh, an interactive tablet and a pen to write on a collaborative whiteboard online. Some have sort of just designed questions that don't require that sort of, um, needing to see what someone's writing. Some have, you know, just asked students to be holding things up. But in general, um, the feedback from the tutors from their point of view has been that they still feel that they're able to uh, assess the candidates in the way they were before. And I think it's also nice for students, for the candidates, that is, to... Um, obviously, it's really nice, usually, to get to go and stay up in Oxford for a few days. But it's slightly less intimidating when you've just got to, you know, jump on a Microsoft Teams call for half an hour from your from your home. Actually, um, my sister had uh, interviews yesterday and today, and you know she was doing that from just from her bedroom next door, whereas obviously when I had my interviews, I had to take a train up to Oxford and stay there for four days. So I think it's a different experience. And obviously, I do feel slightly sorry for them missing out on that that chance to go and stay in, in college for four days while they're being interviewed, because that is really fun. But at the same time, I think it's maybe slightly less scary. Um, but overall, I think it's just been okay. Um, I think the main difficulty has just been in, there's this sense that candidates might kind of slip through the net in terms of information. 
in person, it's really easy to kind of you know, talk to people and make sure everyone's feeling okay. Online, they have to take that initiative to join these various calls and to send those questions and to talk to people. And I suppose also online, by not staying in college for four days, you don't get an opportunity to meet um, the other candidates interviewing with you. Well, exactly. Um, and that was one of the really fun parts of the interview process was actually getting to talk to those other, those other people that are applying. And that was one of the things that really helped with the kind of like imposter syndrome was just realizing that everyone else applied was also just sick formers that were really interested in what they're applying for. So yeah, that, that's been tough. And obviously for various kind of GDPR rules, we're not actually allowed to let the candidates meet each other online, which is why we're putting a lot of effort into trying to talk to them and give them information and show them that, you know, Oxford students are fairly normal people, um, myself accepted. And that, you know, we're just a place that they can in, in, enjoy studying and, and living. It's mm. harder to kind of get out that message online, but we're really trying hard. So, so Fred, it's probably too early to say, but do you have any idea what you want to do after Oxford? Yeah, so at the moment, the, the kind of front runner is, um, is I'd really like to do a PhD in pure mathematics, particularly I'm interested in the areas of, um, of group theory and also combinatorics and number theory. Um, so I've been sort of starting to kind of look into that a bit. I've made contact with a couple of um, academics. I'm also thinking about um, universities in the States. And I'm, you know, hopefully trying to organize myself kind of, you know, summer research um, experiences um, and, you know, kind of befriend various tutors and lecturers um, because, you know, I've, I've really been enjoying my, my maths course here at Oxford. It's been great. And I realized kind of fairly early on that my favorite things to do are essentially to think about maths and then to talk to other people about maths. And there's, you know, not too many jobs where you get to do that. Um, and I don't feel ready yet to kind of leave the kind of university and academia. I, I've been really enjoying it. And I just really, really want to do, to do more. So it was a fairly kind of natural decision for me to think maybe, you know, postdoctoral study is a thing that I'd like to do. Right. Interesting. And, and Fred, as you know, this whole series is about the spirit of Teddy Hall and how it has shaped us all. What do you think the spirit of Teddy Hall is? Yeah, it's a really good question. I guess Teddy Hall is obviously known for being really friendly and for having that that hall spirit, right? That's kind of what we're famous for. For me, the kind of the spirit of Teddy Hall is it's just like the kind of home away from home. You know, I have such vivid memories of walking into that front quad for interviews and on the day when I was actually moving in, in Michaelmas in my first year. And it just felt like home instantly. That's kind of what I'd say. It's it's just this place that I feel comfortable and I feel included and accepted and that I'm really excited to go to. It's, you know, it's got so much amazing kind of history. Obviously we've got this, you know, the, the beautiful library, St. Peter in the East, which we're so lucky to have. We've got, you mentioned before, the gorgeous chapel, the, you know, just the, the front quad that just, Everything about the college is lovely. And we've got really nice, you know, modern facilities as well. And though that kind of blend just creates this place that you're just so excited to go to. And that it's just a genuinely wonderful place to live and, and to study. So Fred, before you go, I'm going to ask you to leave us all with three favourite places of yours. One in Teddy Hall, one in Oxford, and one in the world beyond Oxford. That's a tough question. If I had to pick one place in Teddy Hall, it would be the front quad, but specifically the front quads at like 8pm at the end of Michaelmas term, when they have the Christmas tree up and the lights up and it's dark and it just looks gorgeous. 
Now that for me, I mean, I've seen that like every day, like for the last two weeks. And every time I audibly gasp, it's just stunning. And like nothing sums up Oxford to me more than the fact that I'm in my third year now and still just pinching myself every time I come to the front quad in the evening. Have you, have you, have you enjoyed the, um, the carols in the front quad yet this term? Oh, it's, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so in my first year and this year, I played tuba in the carols in the quad as part of the kind of small wind band. I'm known to play quite loudly, but yeah, that, that, it's so, 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 so fun. And then we, when we came out of the carol service, out of the chapel, um, there had all this snow had fallen on the front quad and it was just magical. Um, and no, nothing, no place in Teddy Hall to me is as magical as that, that front quad. It just kind of sums up like everything that I love about Teddy Hall and Oxford and the kind of gorgeous nature of it. In Oxford in general, again, loads of, there's loads of places that I like, obviously I really enjoy the mass department. There's lots and lots of nice little lanes and, and alleys, but um, a slightly less kind of, clever answer than my previous one is there's this really nice burrito place uh, on corn market street uh tortilla burrito and i it's just wonderful i i just love going there um every time i'm having a bad day or i'm walking home from lectures i need a bit of a pep up because i'm tired it's just it's just great i go there and they must be something quite special in their burritos because they always just make me feel so happy and healthy and in general as a student my diet is maybe slightly bereft of vegetables so actually being able to get really nice well, I know, I know where I know where to go next time I'm in Oxford. Oh, definitely. There's there's lots of other really nice places, but that that burrito place is a is a real real favourite. You know, the staff the staff there know me now, which is which is nice. I always thought it was good. <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out to them. Maybe I can get sponsored by them. Absolutely. <laughs> and what about what about the world, or the world beyond Oxford? Yeah, well, it's uh, that that again is a, a possibly even tougher question. Um, there's so many places that I have such fond memories of. So I've been really lucky to have been able to visit Russia. And in particular, St. Petersburg is just stunning. That is always going to hold a real special place in my heart. The first time that I you know, saw the the, um, the Hermitage, the various cathedrals, uh, it's just a, just a wonderful place. But I think it, it sounds kind of silly to say, but every time I come home, the first time I have dinner with my family again in the kitchen, always just feels so nice and I have I feel so kind of I guess like safe and just happy when I'm at home and particularly when I'm having dinner with my family in the kitchen and it's kind of a sappy answer but it's it's, it's my family kitchen um it's the place that I guess I would I would choose I don't think that sounds silly I think that sounds absolutely wonderful so Fred finally if you could guarantee one thing about Teddy Hall that you would never want to change what would it be my kind of a silly answer was I think they should always serve hash browns at breakfast. Um, <laughs> but my my slightly more serious answer um, is that I think that the the amazing blend of old and new that we have in Teddy Hall, you know, we, we have the claim to I think be the the oldest um, place to ever educate undergraduates. We've got this you know beautiful 13th century church as our library, this you know, wonderful 15th century chapel, the the front quad, everything like that. But then we've also got this kind of hopefully really progressive college that's looking to the future and that kind of blend of engaging with our amazing history and heritage and also always looking forward, always trying to be better and really trying to be a college for the 21st century. That I think is something that I hope will never change about Teddy Hall. Well, Fred, thank you so much. It's been absolutely wonderful talking to you today. And I have to say, I really admire um your attitude to what's been 
an incredibly difficult time with with COVID and in and out. But um, I'm so glad you're making the best of of your Oxford experience and yeah, good luck with the last year. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Fred and what it has meant to the students returning to college after that first lockdown and experiencing all the things which we probably just took for granted, even going to Tesco. Our next episode will be with Julian Cress, who came up to the hall from France in 2019 to read history and is currently in his final year. Julian has also experienced life as a student going into lockdown during the COVID pandemic and coming out of it again. When he returned to college, he decided to go for the JCR presidency and reflects on his year as JCR president during this time of uncertainty and change. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening. Thank you.